Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started... All you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus Sources Edition, presented by WinBet. My co-host, the award-winning, news-breaking, Action Network's own, Brett McMurphy. First reported by our own Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy is Sources. And I am Action Network senior writer Colin Wilson, a guy that will keep on betting LSU when Ty Davis Price is running like it's 2019 for LSU and trying to get the Heisman. Brett, what's your takeaway from week seven? Uh, not just the scoreboard, but do we got we got to start with Coach O, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, I think it was pretty evident that Coach O would not be back with LSU next year. Uh, you know, he said that basically after the loss to Kentucky, that that's when Scott Woodward kind of gave him the heads up. This was not going to be long-term. And I understand why. LSU has been a 500 team since winning the the national championship in 2019, but also there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes. They've got currently, they've got some title nine issues going on that we talked about last week. Coach O may or may not have knowledge of some of those things that went on. And then just kind of how he handled himself as a head coach, you know, it's, it's fun. And, you know, it's, it's great for a, a click on Twitter when he, you see him saying, uh, hey, you, hey, you in the sissy blue pants. Hey, hey, hey bring your ass on. Bring your ass on your little sissy blue shirt. <laughs> you know, but, and, but, you know, come on, could you imagine, you know, Saban saying something like that? 
no, it's you, there's a way to handle yourself when you're in public. Uh, Ogeron did not do that very well. That's what made him so polarizing. And when you're winning national championships, schools are fine with that. But then when you start losing and then you start seeing, hearing about some things behind the scenes, you see a number of LSU players that either opted out or didn't play because of injuries. Then you're wondering, are they not playing because of Ogeron? And bottom line is Scott Woodward has made some tremendous hires in his career. He hired Chris Peterson at Washington. He hired Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. This guy makes big time hires and I expect him to do the same thing at LSU because you look at LSU, the last three coaches that have been there, Nick Saban, Les Miles, and Ed Odron, they all won national championships. There's not a lot of schools that can say that. No, there's not. And I mean, LSU is a great program. They are in a very rich territory for recruiting. Uh, They, you know, I mean, listen, Coach O, he doesn't fit the profile of a head coach, but at least with this job, different from USC and different from Ole Miss, is that he knew that if he would be more of a, maybe like a counselor to the players and let the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator do their jobs, that probably things would get done a little bit more efficiently. And that happened when Steve Inslinger had Joe Brady. And that happened when Dave Aranda was around and they had full control over both offense and defense. But these hires on both sides of the ball have not worked out whatsoever. And then things started leaking out last week about how the entire offensive game plan was being changed Running schemes were being changed. They were going to start doing a little, you know, did a little different zone blocking. I think it's a little bit of a shock to see them beat Florida as a double digit underdog. And for his resignation, I'm not surely if this is like truly a resignation or more of we've just come to an agreement that at the end of the year, which the joke going around Twitter right now is Coach O's record as an interim head coach is like somewhere around 80% against the spread, <laughs> 90% straight up. So he's going to do so much better. But in my opinion, this is not a fade LSU team. They just won a huge game against Florida. Now there's direction. Like we know that this is the swan song for Coach O, who's been along with this program for five, six decades. He played here. He's Louisiana to the heart. And, uh, you know, those players that signed up for LSU football to play for him are going to give everything that they have. These coaches are now officially auditioning for new positions somewhere else. And I, I might be playing LSU every single – I think I've already played them this week. I, I am because Matt, Cor- Matt Corral is officially questionable, but I think LSU is a play-on team for the rest of the season. I, that sounds crazy. I think the general public is going to want to fade them, but it, wouldn't that – doesn't everybody have the feeling, like, let's do this for Coach O? Yeah, I think so, and I agree with you, and I think that's a large reason why Scott Woodward want to make this decision now. Basically, they came to an understanding they were going to get rid of Les Miles – Uh, when he was there and then miles kept winning and so they couldn't get rid of him so they did not want the same thing to happen they did not want lsu to win out and then you're stuck with ogeron for another year so that's why they went ahead and cut the cord now Um, but you're right you would you would think that those guys will play for o and uh you know the the question i wonder is you know will they will they let him take them to a bowl game because that in essence, delays right. when the new guy comes in. Also, how many play, you know, all the talent they have, how many kids are going to want to actually play in a bowl game that's going to be, you know, Birmingham Bowl or Music City or something. They're not going to a New Year's Six game. So will they want to play in a, a lesser bowl? Yeah, it's doubtful, but that's a few weeks off. 
Yeah, but the bigger thing, too, is also the early signing period. That thing got bumped up to, I think it's the Friday or Saturday when the first Bulls start, and you would want to have your new head coach in place at least 10 days in advance before that early signing period for recruiting. So, you know, the recruits know who that they're signing up for. So LSU even maybe participating in a bowl, it's an interesting don't know who's going to be the interim coach. Do the players want to play for someone besides Coach O? Why would Coach O do it? Uh, I, that's going to be an interesting thing. So I think their last game of the season is probably going to feel like the Coach O Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm probably going to be playing LSU from here on out. We're going to have some questions in the speed round about this. But let's cover the Jimbo Fisher angle. Because you mentioned that Jimbo <laughs> was a very successful hire before. And Jimbo came out and, like, Wanted to make it very clear that he is not leaving Texas A&M whatsoever. I, I, I hate to ask this. I don't want to piss any fan bases off. Is That would be a lateral move for him to move over to LSU. Uh, would he do it for the relationship that he's had in the past with the AD? Uh, I, he has everything he needs at A&M. And now Texas is in the SEC. It's not like there's this big divide. Uh, I, it's a lateral move to LSU, is it? Or is LSU a more uh, prestigious I, program? I would, I would put LSU over – AM because you've won in you've won national titles there. Like I said, the last three coaches have won national titles. Texas AM may have won a national title way back in the I don't <laughs> Texas AM has not won a national title because they have a blank trophy case waiting for Jimbo to put a national title in there. Hey, don't just be support. Just keep fighting with us. We ain't quitting on you. Please don't quit on us. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to be nasty. So no, I think yeah. LSU's LSU's a better job. You're the only team in the state. Texas A&M, you're divided with state of Texas, about 50 other schools in Texas. Obviously, you're, you're one of the two biggest ones. He Obviously, he knows the speculation that's out there. Everyone knows his relationship with Woodward. And also, you know, Jimbo has actually been involved in at least three times for the LSU job. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. he was playing hard to get or he wouldn't pull the trigger and do it. And I think, I think Woodward and the LSU brass are like, okay, we've We've done the dance with Jimbo enough. He didn't, wouldn't do it. So we're not even going to consider him, but grab your uh, TV guide on November 27th, LSU's final home game against Texas A&M. Very, very bad blood Uh, teams running scores up. And then when the two teams were competitive, we're talking games going into multiple overtimes, two point convert. That, that is a very heated rivalry. Um, So yeah, that is, that is definitely going to be a main TV watch with the audio uh so I, I guess we'll revisit this about who we think the coach is going to be but uh you know i mean there's just there's so many names i've read out there that i think people all these other media conglomerates just immediately came up with 20 names and like i never saw anyone like eric the like the offensive coordinator for the chiefs i didn't see a lot of names that came to my mind so we'll keep talking about this as the weeks go by i'm gonna move on uh let's iowa lost uh you know i mean the blue bloods of Oklahoma and Ohio state, you and I have been talking about Ohio state for weeks that like the schedule's there. They're going to get back into this thing. Easy. Uh, Oklahoma now looks like a national championship offense. I can't really say anything about the defense, uh, but they're right back in the mix for the college football playoff. Is it clear that our top two is Georgia and Oklahoma now, or is Ohio state up in that mix? Uh, you know, where are we going to go from here with who the top teams of the nation are? Well, on my ballot, I had Alabama number two behind Georgia. I had, I had Oklahoma three, uh, Cincinnati four. Uh, I got Ohio State behind Oregon. I still value head-to-head matchups. I know you don't. I know you've got Ohio State in your top four. Uh, the thing with, you know, talking about Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and Oklahoma, 
and all the crazy upsets we've had, the more upsets we have, and if everyone just keeps beating themselves, then we're going to end up with those same four teams anyway. So Mm -hmm. unless everybody's got two losses and Cincinnati's the only undefeated team, we're going to end up with some kind of version of Georgia and or Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, and Ohio State. Yeah, as much as this for everybody's been screaming for chaos for seven weeks now, I I'm starting to see a clear path where the blue bloods all make it. Now, that brings me to Cincinnati, a team that, you know, I thought should have made the playoff last year, continued to win games, even though I think their total game with Tulsa was delayed three, three different times. But, uh, you know, if things couldn't get any better, better for Cincinnati, uh, the only hurdle they have left, they beat Central Florida. The only hurdle they have left on their schedule is SMU and they get SMU at home. They don't have to play Houston. Houston is not on their this little scheduling snafu. Houston is undefeated, and they don't have to play them. But SMU has to play both Cincinnati and Houston. So Cincinnati is big time in the driver's seat. We'll have to see if they stay undefeated. Listen, you're not going to get in. You're not. I think a, a one loss Ohio State with the Big Ten championship is going to easily be over Cincinnati, right? You said, well, they miss Houston. I think they, you know, they could get them in the American Championship game. But Cincinnati needs to play more teams that are ranked. I mean, the fact they're playing, you know, these tomato cans, Navy, Tulane, (laughs) Tulsa, USF, the next four weeks, that doesn't help them at all. They can win all those games a thousand to nothing. It's not going to help them. People are going to just sit there and say, oh, you beat a bunch of bad teams with losing records that you were supposed to beat. Who have you beaten on your schedule that is either A, ranked Notre Dame currently or has a winning record? Right now, they're down to Notre Dame. They play SMU, and I believe that's it, that has a winning record right now. So they right now they only have two teams on their schedule that have a winning record. I know the group five doesn't get a lot of respect, but I just can't wrap my mind around thinking that a team that goes undefeated, and if they only end up playing, I guess Houston would be the third, 10 of the 13 opponents had losing records, and you beat two power fives, that to me is not a pl- playoff resume. Well, they need Notre Dame to win out. They need Ind- they needed Indiana to beat Michigan State. Indiana's five hundred at best. I don't even know yeah. if going to a bowl game now. They're probably going to be five yeah. and seven. That sucks for Cincinnati, but that's the reality of it. You know. Yeah, Mikey Keene is not Dylan Gabriel, so uh, you know Central Florida was not a big of a hurdle as we thought it would be. I'm going to pivot. There's a couple sneaky teams out there that are undefeated or maybe have one loss can win their conference championship. But Wake's remaining, Wake Forest specifically, I know this is a team that I laid a wager on a couple of weeks ago to win the ACC. The remaining schedule is Duke, UNC, NC State. That's a huge game. Uh, Clemson and BC. So there's work for Wake to do, but the real focus on a Power Five really comes down to the Pac-12. You and I did a great job calling Utah to beat Arizona State, but it did kind of take Arizona State out of any kind of national title contention. Uh, the Pac-12 may officially knock themselves out of the playoff this weekend if UCLA is able to beat Oregon. So are, is this probably the last time we're ever talking about the Pac-12? <laughs> if UCLA beats Oregon, yes. Uh, if Oregon yeah. wins, I, I still think they're alive. They do have the head-to-head. You know, the question is, what will the committee do with the 12-1 and Pac-12 champion Oregon and a 12-1 and Big Ten champion Ohio State? Who would they rank higher? They value the head-to-head a great deal. But looking at the schedules at that point, Ohio State, if they do go 12 and one, they would have victories over ranked Penn State, ranked Michigan State, at ranked Michigan. So that's three wins. 
Oregon would have the win against Ohio State. And <laughs> that's it as far as ranked teams, unless they get somebody in the in the pack, unless, unless Utah's ranked yeah. or somebody. But yeah, so you basically three ranked opponents versus none or one, or excuse me, Ohio State was ranked. So three ranked opponents for for Ohio State, one for Oregon, but Oregon won the head-to-head. So how much does that, how much weight does that carry? I hope that happens. It'll be fascinating. Again, it doesn't matter what you or I think. It's a beauty contest. It's the opinions of these 13 individuals. If Oregon loses that game, you're potentially looking at a Utah-Oregon State Pac-12 championship. Oh, they play this weekend. Uh, so, you know, someone's got to take a loss there. We might not, We might be done talking about the Pac-12 as far as national title uh, concerns and just really be talking about who's going to make the Rose Bowl. But the fact that Oregon State to win this weekend goes a long way into the Beavers making the Rose Bowl, uh, pre- pretty impressive stuff. One other thing I have to ask, because I know that this is going to be on the slate for our live show on Saturday. UCLA and Oregon playing this weekend. Is this a big deal to Chip Kelly? Like, I mean, there was it was a mutual parting of ways. Like, there's other things I want to do. I think I've taken Oregon to where they want to be. I got NFL stuff. I want. How how big is this for Chip playing uh, Oregon? Huge because of his history with Oregon, but also you know it's also big because you know Chip's trying to you know make UCLA relevant again, and you can't you know make a bigger statement than game day being there and beating Oregon. Uh, maybe you can make a run at the at the Pac-12 South title. You know they're not they're still in the running, you know, they're obviously they're going to need a lot of help, but uh, this would be big for chip. There's going to be added incentive for him. And like we said earlier, it would, it would knock out Oregon and the PAC 12 from college football playoff contention. If, if the Bruins can win the game. Yeah. Oregon's got a lot of talent on his team, but those quarterbacks behind Anthony Brown are young. They have got to get a little bit older. So that'll wrap, that'll wrap it up for the round table. Uh, before we head into speed round, I think you've got another uh, cliffhanger here for me. Yeah, I do. I do, Colin. So last week uh, I had a trivia question for you. We'll try another trivia question this week. It revolves around the Heisman Trophy. Who is the last Heisman Trophy winner that did not play in every one of their team's games? So I'll let you think about it for a little bit. We're going to talk about the Heisman a little bit later, and then I'll tell you who that person was. That is a really tough question because – it's interesting that Matt Corral might sit out this weekend. It's a really good relevant question because Matt Corral might be out this weekend. If you're playing the long game and you're Kirby Smart, you're sitting JT Daniels half the year, not trying to win any personal awards. So <laughs> let me think about that one for a little bit. All right, let's transition into Sources Speed Round. The Sources Speed Round. All right, so this is the segment I get to ask Brett as many questions as possible in a 60-second span. If I hear something that may have a gambling deliverable, I'm going to call a timeout on Brett. So I'm not even going to ask Brett if he's ready. We are just going to start right now. Helton's out. Coach O is out. Chad Lunsford down at Georgia Southern's all out. Is Manny Diaz going to be out before Thanksgiving? No. Will he return next year to Miami? No. Who would you hire at Miami next year? Mark Stoops of Kentucky. Who, who would you rank higher for the college football playoff Right now, today, Alabama, who has a loss to Texas A&M, or Ohio State, who has a loss at home to Oregon? Alabama, because of their win over ranked Ole Miss, Ohio State right now does not have any ranked victories. Joe Brady makes $435,000 with the Carolina Panthers. Is he a true leader for the LSU job? No. 
What are the chances that LSU goes G5 with Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina doing amazing things or Jeff Trailer at UTSA who's doing amazing things on his own? Slim and none. So true or false, the mustard bottle at Neyland was actually a flask of whiskey snuck into the game. False. As Lane Kiffin said, they're not going to waste whiskey throwing it on at him. <laughs> uh, so Mel Tucker went from 500000 at Georgia to $2.4 million for one year at Colorado in 2019. $5.5 million at Michigan State. Will he be with the Spartans next year? It's doubtful. All right, timeout, timeout. When they said that Brett McMurphy is joining the Action Network, I knew that you were going to be sitting on a pile of information and you're not going to, and this is it. I, I, I feel like there's some Mel Tucker information. I feel like there's some LSU information. Like, can, can you shed anything about Mel Tucker what? specifically? Yeah, I, I think he could get a look at, I think he could get a look at LSU. And also we talked a couple of weeks ago about Urban Meyer. If for some reason Urban Meyer does not return next year, I think Mel Tucker would be one of the top candidates to take over at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, that's a, I haven't even thought about that, but man, props to the agent of Mel Tucker to go with, with these salary jumps. I mean, who else is exponentially building their salary from 500,000 to 5.5 million in a span of just a couple of years? Who, who else has gone from 500,000 to 5.5 million and a span of about four years. Chad Millman. <laughs> All right. So last question of the speed round. Dumpster fire team of the week. Colin, this week, it is multiple teams. Before you call a timeout, let me explain. It is the seven schools in the state of Florida. Look, I live in Florida, yeah. but it has been bad here. I'm going to name the guilty parties. Florida, Florida State, Miami, UCF, USF, FAU, and FIU. Those schools combined are 11 and 26 against FBS opponents this year. Florida is the only one currently with the winning record, and they are four and three. Hooray. Combined, they are four and 15 against Power Five opponents. By comparison, they were 18 and 14 last year. Florida is known as the Sunshine State. Not now in the college ranks. The Bucks are great. The Florida colleges stink. Florida is considered a part of the big three when it comes to talent-rich blue-chip recruits. California, the state of Texas, and the state of Florida. Is this a head coach problem, or is this a uh, is this players leaving the state? Is the is the quality of the players not there? Has the high schools gone down the drain? Jim McElwain won two SEC East titles with the Gators. And he he was dismissed, basically. Uh, and now Dan Mullen comes in, had a great deal of success at Mississippi State. He has not replicated that success with Florida. People say, well, you know, it's still he still won, you know, whatever, 80% of his games, et cetera, et cetera. Bottom line is you got to win national championships. Steve Spurrier did. Urban Meyer did. That is the standard. Same with LSU. You got to win national championships. Dan Mullen has not done that. And I think sometimes his he has kind of a laid back attitude. He's he's from up north, but he's kind of, you know, I don't want to say lackadaisical. That's not fair. But sometimes, you know, he's not a big rah-rah guy or he's not going to, you know, give you a great save and sound bite. I mean, he shows up wearing Darth Vader mask and stuff. 
look, when you're winning national titles, when you're winning SEC titles, that's great. You know, people love it. But when you're not, then they they use that stuff against you. And look, I'm not saying he's in any hot water, but how ironic was it that there was a coach on the hot seat, flaming hot seat, and Coach Coach O, and you know, people, uh, numerous reporters that I follow were tweeting out, you know, are we talking about the wrong coach on the hot seat? I'm not ready right. to put Mullen on the hot seat, but certainly four and three is not what the Gators envisioned this year. Quite an interesting scene, what's going on down in the state of Florida. And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free, up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free, up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer. Just click on the Action Network link in the episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. We're going to segue over to the AP Top 25 versus the Action Network Top 25. So, Brett, it was really good to wake up on Sunday morning and see, like, you and I have agreement on the top three, but it all really fell apart after that. We, we agreed <laughs> on we agreed on Georgia, Bama, and OU. Uh, the AP voters have Cincinnati at number two. 42 voters in the base had Cincinnati at number two, and one voter had them at number five. Is this a preview of uh, what's going to happen in the college football playoff rankings coming in two weeks? I mean, I, that we're only no, two weeks the, away. The committee's not yeah. going to put Cincinnati at number two. Because the reason Amazing. is, if they put them at number two, then they're going to be locked in there. If they went out, how do you how do you shuffle them down three or four spots? I think Cincinnati will come in at four, which will be big. I mean, at least they'll be considered that they'll be in the playoff, even though they would have a spread of about fourteen against Georgia. Uh, you know, as pointed out in your article on Action Network, Florida is seventh in my power ratings, but they're within four points of dropping out of the top twenty-five. So when you do a power rating like when you're gambling and you have your own set of power ratings, like you drop four points, you could take a big dip. Like I mentioned, LSU had three touchdowns as a result of Emory Jones' INTs and Anthony jo- Anthony Richardson's INTs. Does Florida deserve blame or is LSU averaging 7.1 yards rush per the story? Because really, it, I think this is the question really shouldn't be, is the LSU rush offense back? It's, is Todd Grantham going to get fired, right? I mean, there's got to, four and three, is Todd Grantham gone? Uh, it, it probably doesn't look good. I do not have any inside information that he will not return, but certainly you would think his future does not look bright right now. And that's someone that Dan Mullins brought with him from Mississippi State. I mean, there's been a long history with him and Grantham. So, yeah, it should be it's interesting. So I want to do a shout out to one of the voters, to Colton Bartholomew of the Wisconsin State Journal. He has Penn State number four, uh, but he has Oklahoma at number eight and Oklahoma State, your Cowboys winning. He's got OU number eight and Oklahoma State at number 15. Now, I, I'm not as sold at Oklahoma State. I, they're at 22. This game that is in Stillwater, uh, if it was played right now, I would make it Sooners minus nine and a half. Interesting. They moved it up because they didn't, I don't know, they moved it up to the beginning of November. And they finally moved it back to, to its you know regular time slot that it's been for 100 years. Uh, the Pokes have won this game twice since 2003. Are you holding out hopes on your alma mater of getting it done this year at home? <laughs> Good defense, right? You said on the BBOSA live show. They you covered. Said it. 
They covered. <laughs> they won. They covered. And actually, they've won twice since t- 2003. I was at one of the one of the two games. Uh, no. Next question. Uh, no. I, Oklahoma, question. Oklahoma will beat Oklahoma State. I've seen this movie a thousand times. Oklahoma will beat Oklahoma State. One game sums up the series. I'm not going to go into it because I could go 30 minutes into it. But it was the year that Marcus Dupree left Oklahoma the week before the game. OSU blew, I think it was a 20 to three lead or 20 to six lead in the fourth quarter and lost. And after the game, Jimmy Johnson told his radio announcer doing his post-game show, if I can't beat OU this year, I'll never beat him. He left after that year to go to the University of Miami. Very, very interesting. That I can't beat him. Might as well go do something else, I guess. Uh, and he took Michael Irvin with him. You know, and, and you know what? I knew it. 17 to three, 85-yard pick six. Here comes the Brett McMurphy tweet right back at me. He, I knew it was coming, so it was a good. Are you victory. are you gonna are you gonna mention now or Saturday that I was five and zero in the havoc round? Oh my God, I went two and three. I had such a substate. Oh, it was terrible. That Georgia first half, I'm still burned. Yes, you went five and zero. Oh, we will make sure. That Hawaii five zero is my favorite show by the way. All right, so the Oregon victory over Ohio State, uh, you know, they're keeping the AP vote in the top 10. This trip to UCLA, which I believe right now on the board via win bet, minus two and a half on the Bruins, opened it a pick. Uh, it's a Pac-12 knockout game from a national championship perspective. You don't have another top, another Pac-12 team in your top 25. Does the Rose Bowl representative move to Utah, Oregon State winner with the with the Ducks loss this week. Like what what are we what are we doing in the Pac-12? Could we possibly see like a four-loss team in the Rose Bowl this year? Look, whoever wins the Pac-12, if they're not in the playoff, they go to the Rose Bowl. So who is that going to be? You know, your guess is as good as good as mine right now. I mean Wake went to the Orange Bowl with four losses or was it five losses? I mean there there have been four or five loss teams going to one of the New Year's sixes. So we could be headed down that path real quick. Stucky and I talked at nauseum about Michigan State and their horrible post-game win expectancy on our pot or recap podcast. I believe it was about 39%, even covering the four, four and a half on Indiana. But I want to pivot over to San Diego State. (laughs) Uh, You know, they're six and oh with Fresno, Nevada, Boise. They got a trip to the island to go. Uh, They're four point underdogs this week to Air Force this weekend. Uh, Bennett Conlon of the Daily Progress uh, ranks the Aztecs 10th. Brett, can you just explain to the voters a little bit about how San Diego State is in the top 25 and how big that zero in the loss column means? Apparently, it means a lot to a lot of people. There's only 11 (laughs) unbeaten teams, so maybe his first 11 teams are all unbeaten. I wonder where he has uh, UTSA. I wonder if they're in at number 11. I'm sure they're not. Uh, you know, look, San Diego State gets a lot of credit for their wins against Arizona and Utah. But, yeah, they have not been that impressive. If they ran the table, Coastal Carolina suffers a loss. Oof. Cincinnati suffers a loss. Maybe, just maybe, they could climb up and get the Group 5 New Year's Six game. I can't stop San Diego State overs. Like, it takes everything in me not to bet overs on this team, and I don't know what it is. It's like. When you go to a casino and you play three card poker or let it ride, the house, the house has like a 70% advantage on you. You have no chance of getting your money back. And that's how I feel when I step to the table for San Diego state overs. I, I just want to bet it, see what happens. Let's have some fun. So, all right, we'll see how it goes this weekend uh, as underdogs to air force. Let's move into the Heisman handicap. This is your Heisman handicap. The Heisman trophy 
is awarded to. All right. So these odds are via win bet. Uh, a little bit of movement from last week. Matt Corral's at plus 150. Uh, keep an eye. Lane said today, of course, we're not supposed to believe coaches, right, Brett? Uh, Lane said today that uh, Matt Corral's probably not going to play this weekend. Uh, he did have over 30 rushes uh, against Tennessee in that game, maybe a little beat up. Bryce Young at two to one. CJ Stroud, who you and I have been uh, pounding our chest on for a few weeks uh, when the, he was 15 to one, came all the way down to plus 550. Win bet now has him at eight to one. Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati is 10 to one. And then I'll mention some running backs. I just, I still can't see running backs on teams, you know, winning this at all. Uh, Bajon Robinson, 30 to one, uh, who he's an animal. Brian Robinson Jr. over for Alabama at 50 to one. And I think really, I don't know if we need to comment about any of those because we need to comment about the new guy that just pulled up a chair to the table. And his name is Caleb Williams. Oklahoma is now a completely different team. Listen, I said two weeks ago, we got to put Caleb Williams in the game because he makes safeties and linebackers stay in the box and, 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 and really respect what he does with his legs, which frees him up to throw the ball. He looks fabulous from an eyeball standpoint, throwing off his, you know, the left leg, the right leg on the run, hitting guys just on target. Winbet currently doesn't have a number on Caleb Williams, but they have the field at eight to one. And that's, they should just take that field off and say, this is Caleb Williams. He's at eight to one. There was a book that left uh, Caleb Williams open at 50 to one on Saturday, which I was happily dipping into. What's the realistic chances? And and you're going to have to help me out here because I know Trevor Lawrence came in after four games. He didn't win the Heisman. Um, You know, I know that there's probably some other precedents here, but what is the realistic chances that a guy that only has 609 passing yards and nine total TDs had just one passing attempt Kansas State, a handful, you know, before that against Western Carolina, a guy that's only played two games, what's a realistic chance this guy has winning the Heisman? I think it's going to be tough, Colin, because at the end of the day, he will have only played in basically seven full games. How are you going to compare seven full games of what he's accomplished against 13 games? Against Bryce Young, 13 games with Matt Corral, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud, 12 games. It's going to be difficult for Heisman voters. I know every Oklahoma fan will say, well, of course he deserves it. Barry Switzer was tweeting, yes, he should be considered for the Heisman. Well, of course, that's their guy. But if you were talking about a guy at another school, would you feel that strongly? I don't know how I would vote, and I haven't even thought about it, I guess, when we get to that point. I will have to make that decision, as will the other 5 billion people that vote for the Heisman. I don't want to say he definitely can't win it, and I don't want to say he definitely can win it, because I really don't know. We've never really gone through anything like this before, Um, which real quick brings me back to my trivia question earlier. Who is the last Heisman Trophy winner that did not play every one of his team's games? When you ask me that question, it makes me think somebody that started the season late and not somebody that was hurt. Cause I was thinking Jason white, because it just, I, I feel like that guy had some injuries that kept him out. I know he played multiple years and now I think he's selling AC units here in Tulsa. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm probably wrong. You probably are wrong. Yeah. 1993, Charlie Ward, Florida state. Really? He sat out their ninth game of the season against Maryland. He injured his ribs the week four against Wake Forest. He came back the following week against Notre Dame. So you have to go all the way back to 1993, the last time a Heisman Trophy winner did not play every one of his team's games. Actually, Colin, there's been five Heisman Trophy winners 
that did not play every one of their team's games, including Vinny Testaverde in 86, Charles White in 1979, John David Crow in 1957. But all these guys, they had injuries during the season where they missed one game. The only other example that we can compare with Caleb Williams, and I don't even think it's a fair comparison. I'm sure you remember this. I know I, I remember it well. I was a sophomore in college. 1943, Angelo Bertelli played for Notre Dame. He played in the first six games of the season, led him to an undefeated season, but then he didn't play anymore. Why didn't he play anymore? He went off to fight in the Marines. Even though he only played six games that year, he still won the Heisman. So I can give a guy slack for, you know, not playing the second half of the season because you got drafted and went off uh, to the the battle of Iwo Jima. But (laughs) the fact that you didn't play your first three or four games because your coach didn't think you were good enough, that just doesn't cut it for me. But there is precedent. Not every Heisman Trophy winner has has played every game. Well, sadly, I do not remember the 1943 season, but I can understand (laughs) giving the Heisman to uh, one of our proud service members uh, for only playing, you know, not all of his games. But I am old enough to tell everybody that if you're not, you know, as old as me, that 1993 Notre Dame Florida State game may have been one of the best college football games I've ever watched in my life. So, um, of course, I'm a little I love Lou Holtz because, you know, former Arkansas coach. All right, Woo Pig Suey, let's move into the playoff payoff. Where we won't mention Arkansas. The college football playoff payoff. Uh, playoff? Don't talk about playoff. You kidding me? Playoff? All right, so Georgia is now plus 100. Uh, foregone conclusion that they're, they're going to be in the playoff no matter if they lose the SEC championship to Alabama, who might not get there. I'm still, still racked on the audio. I said that they were going to lose the game. Uh, Oklahoma, eight to one, Ohio state, 10 to one. And then after that completely drops off since 30 to one, Michigan, 30 to one. And I agree with these numbers, Old Miss 80 to one. I don't even know how Ole Miss gets in, uh, Oregon, 200 to one is a one loss team. Iowa 300 to one can still make it if they went out. The one thing that I wanted to mention on here is I did lay a hundred dollars on NC state at a thousand to one to win the national championship today. And that sounds like a joke, and I probably shouldn't be podcasting about it. But their remaining schedule, Miami, I remember, you know, they have the lead in their in their division. Their remaining schedule, Miami, Louisville, Florida State, Wake, Syracuse, and North Carolina. I have NC State uh, favored, projected to be favorites in every single one of those games. And then what do they get after that? A coastal team. At 1,000 to 1, I'll roll the dice. I'll easily roll the dice with a schedule full of, you know, you're going to have to win seven games in a row where you're favored thousand to one odds just to get in the playoff. That's a lot of headroom. So I'm going to, I'll throw that aside, Brad, but NC state isn't going to win the national championship, but from a value perspective, thousand to one at win bet is something that you should hit. Do you like any of the teams that, that we just talked about? Well, that was, I had two questions. One. So you would definitely, you're obviously going to hedge that if they got to yeah. the playoff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you just got to find like, $500,000 to put on the other side. And then the other question is, so Alabama plus 225, what is that point spread wise? Yeah, I mean, plus 225 equates to a seven point spread. Uh, you know, maybe maybe seven and a half depends on the juice on the seven and a half, but definitely a seven point spread. So there's no way Alabama would be a seven point underdog to Georgia. No, I mean, right now I would have it four and a half. So, okay. you know. So, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch anything then. 
Yeah, and you have to think they're they're going to play each other, right? I mean, if they're both going to make the playoff, they're already going to play each other. But that may widen the gap. I mean, that plus two twenty five to win the national title. If Alabama loses that game, it's not going to be plus two twenty five in the rematch. Uh, it, it's going to be even higher. So it's uh, I don't think there's any value in taking Georgia if they lose that game. They're going to be a big dog. Uh, I don't think Georgia is going to be anything more than minus one fifty in a rematch against Alabama. Alabama, that number is going to get be even better if they have a rematch. So. You know, Oklahoma, we're right back to where we started. They were 8-1 to one to start the season. So if you didn't get it in August or July, there it is again. And as far as Ohio State's concerned, they're going to be there. But there's nothing that tells me that Kerry Coombs and this defense is ready to take on some of these big boy names. I think Oklahoma State's offense would have a field day with this Ohio State defense. So we'll have to see how they improve as they go through their schedule Okay, so we're going to punt on the playoff payoff this week. Go look for your Caleb Williams uh, Heisman tickets. It's a precedent. Even Brett, a Heisman voter, doesn't know what he's going to do, which means that's opportunity for us to gamble. Uh, Go find the best Caleb Williams number. This has been Big Bets on Campus, Sources Edition. Tomorrow afternoon, you can hear our red-hot group of five experts, Mike Ionello and Mike Calabrese, on our G5 Deep Dive episode. And late, late Thursday night, Stucky and I will return for our Week eight betting preview, all right here on the BBOC podcast. Brett has to get back to literally chasing things in his phone is what he's doing right now. I have to get back to losing more money on betting Hawaii football. So thanks for joining me, Brett, and I'll see everybody at the window. 